0: Welcome to Into the West, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. My name is Charles. With me today are Richard, Ian, and a special guest, Andrew. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. So today in our episode, we'll be talking about our favorite beginner armies. Andrew, you're relatively new to the game. Like you've been playing for a few years. Newer players who want to get into competitive play. What is your number one tip?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question, Charles. I feel like for me the number one tip would be to stick with one army for at least maybe 10 games when you're getting started. I feel like, you know, when you're getting into any game, you get really excited, especially Lord of the Rings if you're a fan, you want to play, you know, Mordor and barad and Minas Tirith and Rohan and you want to have them all painted up and like that's great, you know, the hobby is such a fun part of the game, but I feel like for me I think I would have learned a lot faster if I had stuck with one army for a bunch of games in a row, maybe shifted out some of the heroes, but gotten to know the troops and the special strikes really well. I felt like that was overwhelming for me as a new player, like remembering, oh, these weapons can do these special strikes and these other ones can't um, and when to use them now it's second nature, but I think you know, the armies in the game are generally pretty balanced. I think you can make anything work. There's some armies that I think are better for newer players, which we're going to talk about today. But I think the game is really about mastering what your army does well. And, you know, if you have a really competitive, experienced player, like pick up an army that they've never played before, like it's going to be challenging even for them, you know? So I think figuring out you know the difference between models on paper and on the tabletop and how they actually perform that's something that you only pick up by playing the army a lot so I think you know my my ceiling for my performance with Lake Town I think is higher than with any other army just because I've played it the most so I would encourage newer players to pick their favorite army and and maybe have a couple options for troops and heroes but stick with it and you know really Tap into whether it's the army bonus or the special strikes or special units, whatever it is that that army does well and just master that, because I feel like that'll get you way further than playing, you know, one game with one army and then doing that 20 times with a bunch of different mixes, you know. Thanks, that's a great
0: tip. So we're going to be talking about our favorite beginner armies today. Each of us have selected two armies to share and. We'll take turns going over our picks and giving our reasons why we think they are great armies for a person who's getting into the game and uh yeah without further ado let's jump right into our picks richard would you like to share your first pick of the day
2: okay yeah so the first list i chose is actually a legendary legion it's from the gondor at war book it's the army of Gothmog. And what I like about this list for a beginner is I think a lot of beginners, like Andrew just said, lean towards Mordor because you know they love Mordor from the movies and there's a lot of big and exciting things in the list. But I find that it has so many choices that it can actually be a detriment. Because a lot of the times you don't know how to build a proper army or proper list. And we're just talking about the peer list. They got green allies. They got yellow allies. So there's there's just a million ways to build it. And I find that if you try to do too much, then you'll probably end up building a list with too many weaknesses and not enough strengths. So the army of Gothmog, I think, is a good balance. It might not be the most competitive list but I actually think it has the tools to do very very well in a tournament and you don't need a lot of heroes you know Gothmog you can easily get you know we're not talking about collectability here but I think that's a plus and All you need really is a lot of Moran and Orcs in this list, and you can get those very easily. It has Gurits as well, which, you know, we've talked about in the past is a very, very great utility hero. It has the Shaman, which I think is a key for all lists that need to scale to a higher points value. And then, you know, if you want to get a bit spicy, there's like the Catapult. Don't take the Siege Bow, but, you know, so it it has some good things, good toys in this list. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I I really like everything you said. I feel like I started with the Pelennor Fields kit, right? So, you know, buying Gothmog and adding that is kind of a natural addition. So I played the army of Gothmog quite a bit when I got started. And I made all the mistakes that Richard just talked about before I did that. Like I I ran the Mordor Troll. I didn't know how to use it. We were using Pelennor Fields. So I went up against like Army of the Dead. It got one shot by the King of the Dead and I was pretty disappointed. So I, I love that. I feel like the the restrictions of the list actually force you to build a pretty balanced list unless you go like double catapult or something crazy you gonna have a lot of troops that have really good strength and really good defense you'll have you know some good heroes and like the heroes be spread out so you'll understand like or learn positioning and like you know making sure everyone's within six inches of a heroic move and stuff like that plus the master of battle i feel like is such an interesting mechanic for new players like i think that's really where you can take it from, you know, beginner list to maybe intermediate. Is starting to figure out, you know, positioning Gothmog. Where's their enemy hero that's going to call the move next turn? Is this hero maybe going to call a heroic combat? If so, maybe I'll put Gothmog a little bit closer, right? I, I think it has the potential to scale a little bit to a more intermediate play, like you said, Richard. Everything that both of you covered, I agree with.
0: The one other thing I'll add is. All the heroes, other than Gothmog, are quite quite cheap, and all the named heroes have three might, except for the Enforcer, which you shouldn't take as well. But you've you've got Goroth, uh, Guritz, uh, Zagdush, you know, all pretty decent heroes and pretty cheap. All have three might, and it's just it's just a very forgiving list to play. Your heroes are cheap, so if they die, you still have a chance. You're still in it. At the same time, they can all hit pretty hard. You know, you have heroic strikes everywhere. It has all the tools you need to uh, learn the game and uh, to improve.
3: Yeah, I, I quite like the um, like the mechanics that are involved around Gothmog, how he is like you get to learn that he is like a pretty he's a reasonable combat hero, but he's not amazing, but he also has a bunch of buffs, so kinda learning how to position him and use him right, whether you want to use him with more as a buffing hero and just bunch a couple of troops, or if you want to go and try and fight big heroes, you know, there's decisions to be made there. But it's not like overly complex to figure out. And also just having the troll in the list can be nice, you know, get get to get familiar with brutal power attacks. I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, but I think it's it's nice to have the option to grab it.
2: <laughs> no, it's a trap card, Ian. Don't don't listen to Ian, guys. He just wants to shoot down your troll.
1: <laughs> Spoiler alert, Ian was the one who
2: one-shotted my troll in my first game. No, he wasn't. <laughs> ah, I'm pretty sure I've done that before. <laughs> I guess one more thing is just bringing up the Moran and Orc. I think we used to talk about in past editions how how sturdy the Urkai Warrior is, and I think the Moran and Orc is kind of the new standard of like the troop type that you know you want with the D6 and Strength 4, and cheap enough that it's very cost efficient. So you can't really go wrong with just taking all Moran and Orcs.
0: Okay, uh, Andrew, would you like to go with your first pick?
1: Yeah, sure. So my first pick, which in my opinion, if I had to just pick one army as the best starter army in the game, I would pick Minas Tirith for a bunch of reasons, but I think... When you're starting out, at least for me, the hardest part of the game to master, especially if you're someone like me who came over from like regiment wargaming. So I played Warhammer Fantasy. So it was like you had 20 guys in a block and they moved together. The hardest part to get the hang of for me was the individual positioning and splitting up troops and like not getting trapped, understanding backing away and keeping your guys in formation for heroic moves and stuff like that. And I feel like Minas Tirith kind of forces you to do that with the basic troops and the shield wall rule. You have really high defense troops of, you know, D7 in your shield wall. They're reasonable at fighting. And, you know, they're pretty forgiving if you don't put your troops in the right spot. I think, you know, we we were all new players at one point, and I'm sure we all would agree that, like, you're going to get out-positioned and outmaneuvered by any experienced player when you start this game. So you want an army that kind of helps, you know, be a little bit more forgiving for your inevitable like positioning mistakes like that's the whole uh kind of skill in this game that takes a little bit of time to master so other than the obvious shield wall you've got a ton of really versatile heroes you can take a number of smaller heroes like take a denethor uh and a bunch of you know three might captains and have a ton of numbers uh, which i kind of like as a newer player And the army scales really well to when you become more experienced to using, you know, some of the larger heroes like a Boromir, for example. It's a really competitive list. I mean, on the East Coast in the U.S., you see Boromir with the flag and basically Fountain Court Guard spam. Uh, That's a really common list on the East Coast and that, you know, consistently podiums over here. So it's a list that you can grow into as a beginner player to even, you know, an advanced and and hyper competitive level. It's got a good mix of troop variety that... Other than the Osgiliath vets, I feel like you can't really go wrong with, you know what I mean? Like Fountain Court guard are good, Citadel guard are good, Rangers are good, Warriors of Minotirith are good, the Knights are good. Like you can't really make a bad choice. You can probably optimize it a little bit more, but as a new player, you might just be excited to try a bunch of different troops. And if you do that with this list, you're not really going to veer off too too far. So I think... For the reasons I mentioned, it's forgiving. It's a good starter list. It's got a hero for every situation that you can kind of mix and match and learn from. And then I think, you know, for a big hero, I feel like Baromir with the flag is maybe the best hero in the game to start with. if You're going to start with a larger hero because you understand, like you guys just mentioned for Gothmog, buffing your troops and the importance of that. Even if he's transfixed, he's still giving that plus one fight and six inch banner. So you understand that heroes don't have to just be killing to. To kind of help your force, and then you've got this huge guy with six might that really kind of forces you to try out heroic actions, try out the use of might, and you know that's another thing that I think is hard to master when you're just getting started is what are the right heroic actions to call? When are the right moments to use might? And I think with six might, you're gonna have more opportunities to do that. So I think this is you know one of, if not the best starter list in the game. What do you guys think?
3: minister earth is actually going to be one of my picks <laughs> pretty much for those reasons i think i i guess the biggest thing for me is just what it boils down to that it is pretty forgiving because you can get like reasonable numbers of high defense troops and that in itself is just it, it's going to be a forgiving list for you to play i'm um, not saying that there isn't some nuance to it but
2: yeah just uh, stay away from gandalf the white and pippin and i think um, you're set The
0: one thing I'll add is Minas Tirith is also great as you expand your collection and you move on to other armies. They're green allies with uh, other big armies like Rohan and Fiefdoms and they synergize decently well too, you can combine them. And so I think you can't go wrong with Minas Tirith because it's not an army that I think you'll regret buying. Because when you start playing other good armies, most likely you can find something that fits in with your collection. Yeah, they work decently well with a whole bunch of different armies, not just Green Alliances.
3: I just to add on to that, like when you do grow your army, I think it is also nice to be able to experiment with like, well, like I said, other like big heroes like Boromir and, and Aragorn, but also like the siege weapons. If you want to experiment and learn how they work, it's easy to do that because they are in the list and not not every list has those. So just learning the mechanics of that is, is pretty nice to be able to do just with your basic list that you're starting with.
0: Okay, Ian, do you want to go with your first pick? Sure. So,
3: my first pick is going to be Azog's Hunters. Basically, what this boils down to is Hunter Orcs are a very good profile and very reliable um, because they get two attacks base at strength four. And it's just, it, 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 they can match any other troop in the game, basically, man for man. So you get that and you get reasonable numbers so you can learn how to play them. But also, it is kind of a double-edged thing, right? You have a low low Courage Army and you don't have access to Courage Passing shenanigans. So it allows you to, progress as you learn the game, you can progressively learn strategies to negate that and play better because of that. So I think that that is nice. Also, if you do want to go with big builds, you can grab uh, Azog or Bolg, so you can learn how big heroes work. And then those are for the evil side, like basically the some of the biggest combat heroes that they can get that aren't giant monsters. Other than that, I guess also like the three named heroes that they get, the the smaller ones, they're all great, neat little profiles. They they have. Fun, special little rules sprinkled in there to to get introduce other mechanics. And as Charles mentioned earlier, with like uh, minister I think you get a lot of might. Lots of might is very handy to learn in the game, and it makes the list more forgiving because you, you're you're always going to have might somewhere to be able to do the actions you want to do.
2: Yeah, and I think as opposed to like Minas Tirith, this is the opposite of having choice. You have no choice, and I think you know in that way you're pretty limited. So. I think anyone can just pick it up and build a list right on the spot, and I think it'll actually do very well. You also learn how to, I think, maneuver with a low defense army. It is one of the easier glass cannon forces, I would say. We have a lot of forces with D4 now and hordes, but those ones, you know, stuff like you know, saw on Lochlorian and you know maybe. The Lake Town forces might take a little bit more uh, nuance.
0: The thing you guys mentioned about it being a a little bit of a glass cannon, and also Ian mentioned about the courage being a weakness. I actually think those two things might matter a little bit less at low points, which is where beginners should start, at least for their first few games. So I I think those weaknesses are okay. You can lose to shooting armies and stuff like that, but chances are you're pretty good at lower points. You can still... But you still have higher
1: than average numbers, I would say. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. I think just to touch on something that wasn't said yet, I agree with Charles, right? You're going to start at lower points. I would actually encourage newer players, if you're going to take this list, to maybe stay away from Azog and Bolg, unless you get above maybe 500 points. I think this is an awesome army for the reason Ian mentioned, like those kind of lower to mid-tier named heroes. Those are a great place to start. So I would say to pick, you know, two or three of those guys and just max out on hunter orcs and take some of the cavalry. I think that's the best way to start here. And I would argue that this might be one of, if not the most fun armies that you could start with, because, you know, before you really know what you're doing, you're just going to rush your army forward and get into combat with your opponent. And I think having more dice in your opponent is going to feel great. Uh, Wounding more easily is gonna feel great. You won't really be thinking about these things to start off most likely, but it's a really fun way to play the game. And you can even do 50% bows if you wanted to. And I think, you know, even as you progress through the game, two attacks is just so valuable and having it on a model that has a higher strength, you know, to your guys point, as long as you're not running into like terror armies, this army is insanely good. So I think it's, it's probably one of the more fun armies that we're gonna talk about today. Okay, I'll go with my first pick. My first pick is Isengard. Uh, so
0: the reason I picked Isengard was because I, I know many beginner players that start with Isengard and I think the appeal of it is the variety that it has. So with Isengard, a beginner can play a whole bunch of different kind of lists. They can play a shooty list, they can play like more of a death ball strategy, they can play siege weapons. Uh, there's good magic and even a Cav Heavy if you want. So I think just the sheer amount of choices that are available in it is, is good. And I think that you can also build a pretty balanced list, which is what probably recommend a beginner start with, but it's got lots of mid tier heroes that are pretty decent in the game. Also a lot of them having three might, and you also have access to one of the best spellcasters in the game. So I think that there's a lot that you can explore, you know, special strikes, monsters uh, siege weapons in my opinion you can't really go wrong with isengard if you want to just learn learn the game and build different kind of lists because you could you could just stick with this one army and try out three or four different kind of builds and it might not be the most competitive army but you'll know what army you want to go to next
2: i guess just one caveat is that I wouldn't recommend jumping into Saruman too quickly, uh, similar to the Gandalf the White in Minas Tirith. I think in MESBG it's actually quite tough uh, to get your value back from wizards. But yeah, Saruman is a great hero once you once you start learning the game and magic. I keep thinking these battle hosts are, are really
3: good recommendations until we get to the end of the segment of this the faction. <laughs> Not to trash him too hard, I think you can
1: still get good things out of him, I'm just saying. (laughs) There's two things I want to point out with Isengard that haven't been mentioned yet. The first is, I kind of agree with Richard, and I think I would change it slightly, Charles, to say one of the scout legendary legions. I think those are a really good place to start. You have some increased mobility. And you've got a bunch of like mid-tier heroes and a lot of troops you can also get like a drum and i know that may be a little bit more complex but i feel like just running full speed at your opponent with these kind of fight for strength for troops i think that's not a bad place to start so i'd recommend that because if you're not taking saruman anyway you might as well try one of the Isengard legions i think so i think those are pretty good and then one thing that i find super interesting for newer players this is another thing that took me a while to learn is you know, in most games, if you have archers, you leave them in the back, right? You you keep them in the back, you shoot all game. And that was another thing that as a newer player took me a while to learn in MESBG is, you know, I think it's maybe Tell Me a Tale, the, uh, the blog says, you know, archers are just swordsmen with bows, right? And once I started thinking about it that way, you know, learning as a new player to move your, your archers into position to fight, especially in Isengard, where they're strength for, fight for, Um, is crucial. So I actually like them for that reason. You get a chance to learn when to shoot and you've got great shooting four plus with strength four, um, but then also figuring out when to move them into combat. That's something that I still see, you know, kind of intermediate Isengard players sometimes struggle with. But I think crossbows are kind of the perfect weapon to figure that out. Like if there's a turn where you're going to have a lot of in the ways, or uh, you're only going to get to shoot with half your guys, Move them up, right? Like that that's something that took me a while to learn. Uh, but I think it's actually good for a newer player so that you can get past some of these initial hurdles. The Richard, your second pick?
2: All right. So my second pick is actually another legendary legion. It's actually the depths of Moria. So that's the one with the Balrog and a lot of goblins. So I think this one is interesting because if you want to play like a big, bad monster, you know, there's there's a lot of monsters in this game that can be traps and <laughs> very, very hard to get value out of. And I find the Balrog in that Legion, similar to some of the heroes we've talked about today, like Boromir, you know, gives a lot of value in the Legion without having to fight, which I think is a big deal because a lot of the times, like these big models will get jammed And enemies will want to tar pit your big monsters by throwing, you know, chaff into them and stall you all game. So, you know, whether or not he's in combat, he's going to get value. And also, it's harder to do that, to tar pit him, because he has the free hero combats. And also, he has the special rules. You know, he can set you ablaze and also with the whip. So, I think it's just... um, you know he, he's always going to be a threat and another thing is similar to the Sauron uh, special rule it's almost impossible to break this legion so I think that's really really nice for beginners especially playing goblins you know you worry about you worry about courage and you know once you break your your force just falls apart but, you know, you're not going to get that with the Balrog. First of all, you're not going to break. And second of all, he just has a massive fearless bubble. So I think in in certain ways, you're kind of ignoring certain parts of the game like Terror, which you know allows you to focus on maybe some other aspects of the game.
3: I think this one would be one of the more friendly ones to uh, to take to a tournament if it's just the first time you're, you're getting into it, just because you're not going to cough up a lot of VPs because of that. But yeah, essentially this Legion is just Balrog, go brr.
0: It also has a nice bonus of uh, just simplifying your army bonus, where the Namoria army bonus, you have to basically create a trap in order to get the fight value bonus, while in the Legion is kind of just simplified to being a bubble around the Balrog. So it's nice having access to that fight for that the prowlers have in the Legion, and uh, also just goblins being fight three is 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 nice because you're all of a sudden you go from like a below fight army to average so
1: that's nice as well yeah i totally agree with that charles i feel like moria the regular army is probably one of the least beginner friendly armies in the game i know a lot of people start with it because it's really cool and before this legion came out i think that army bonus is just tough even for experienced players to take advantage of and there's so many like gimmicks in the normal lists that i think are really hard to pull off as a newer player the only thing i'll add is i feel like i think there's very few things that are more fun in this game than playing the balrog like so as as a new player like it's just really cool i feel like his rules are representative of like what the monster is and what you would expect like when, when it goes off and it does its thing i mean you're ripping through five six guys a turn taking out a hero per turn and as a newer player i feel like that would just draw you into the game and make you more excited to play another game with that army which is exactly what you want so uh it's definitely very different than all the other armies we've talked about so far because it's like a big centerpiece like if you're playing 500 points he's going to be over half your army but I, I don't think there's very many things you could do as a new player that would be more fun than playing that
2: plus one for fun
3: Ian, your second pick? Right, so my second pick is Rivendell, because we got to have the elves represent. The reason I picked it is just... It's because it gives access to a lot of different aspects of the game, while not making them overly complicated, I guess. So you get to have high fight-value troops and learn how they work. And as a consequence of that, your numbers aren't going to be too big. So plus and minus there. You get to learn how to use a small group of troops, but you don't have, you're don't. you not going to be overwhelmed with how to figure out how to maneuver, you know, a giant horde of models. High defense, so hopefully they won't drop very fast. Hero-wise, you get to learn how the big, big heroes work. So, you know, Glorfindel or Elrond or Gilgal, it doesn't really matter which one you pick. They're all going to function kind of the same, but you get to experience how they work, what kind of damage they can do. Other than that, you can also uh, learn how magic works, depending on which heroes you take. So if you go with curedan route, you can learn how passive magic works. And that's a very nice introduction to magic in general without having to figure out the really complicated moves of, oh, I have to immobilize this person at this time to get the most out of this, right? You just kind of have the passive bubbles so you can get the introduction, but you're not gonna be too confused. And then as you progress, you can try the the more difficult magic with the Wrath of Brunins. On top of that, they're reasonable shooting factions, so you can kind of learn how to leverage your shooting pretty
1: well. Yeah, I really like Rivendell because, to Richard's point earlier, uh, when we were talking about Azog's Hunters, like, you have one foot troop and one mounted troop, and they're basically the same, so the, the decisions really come with choosing your heroes, like you mentioned, Ian, but I feel like This is a totally different play style than the other ones that we've talked about. Like I've found when you play one of the big heroes at a lower points value, it's a different strategy for me. It's usually like being very defensive and like shielding a lot with your basic troops and letting your, you know, Gil Gilgalad kind of run around and do a lot of the killing. So that's very different than like an Azog's Hunters with all the cheap heroes, right? There you want your troops to do the killing. So I totally agree. I think this is an army on the good side where... You can play some of these really big heroes that you connect with from the films or the books and get really excited about it. And, and for starting out, there's not a ton of choice. There's not really many heroes I can think of in Rivendell, where if you take it, you're like way, way behind. I think they're all good to competitive. Maybe not every single one, but the vast majority of the ones that people would take. So you can mix and match as well. This would be an army where you can you know, have 20 to 30 regular troops and then just swap out maybe five or six different heroes and have a lot of different play styles.
2: Just to add to that, this is another army list with really good allies. My first competitive army was actually the Last Alliance, which is, you know, super thematic and really popular as well, Pair it with Numenor. You know, you have the Fellowship, you have the other L faction, Lothlorien, which is definitely a trickier faction to play. And you're pretty much yellow with most of the other good army so it's it's really really flexible you know if you want to build out you know past your beginner armies
0: yeah i mean currently the way games workshop packages high elves you're automatically collecting numenor so it's a natural alliance and and also happens to be a good list so expanding to numenor after you've played some high elves it's a perfect next step and also just i think this is a great starter army for those who want to play elite armies because you have kirdan in the list who provides uh, three different auras that kind of make your army a lot more resilient than they normally would if they didn't have them and so you're most likely going to be outnumbered in most of your games but you you can see the effect and the impact that certain heroes can have on your entire army. So it's a great beginner elite list. And my second pick for beginners is the Return of the King Legendary Legion. So I was just speaking about collectability. I think this is one of the easiest armies to collect. You have the whole army is available in plastic and you don't need a lot of models. I think what makes this army easy for beginners to start with is the the strategies and the ways you can play this list is very limited. And I think that comes as an advantage to beginners because you you know uh, what your strategy is, you know what your game plan is when you go into any game. The basic Warriors of the Dead are quite forgiving, being pretty hard to kill. And they also can hit pretty hard, especially with Aragorn providing the the banner effect to them and also uh, the King of the Dead's Harbinger, which makes your enemies basically easier to wound. And it comes with all pretty decent heroes in it. They're basically choosing between if they're going to have the King of the Dead and probably going to have Strider. And it's just choosing between taking more Army of the Dead or taking a a third a fourth hero. What do you guys think of of that pick?
2: Well, talking about fun heroes, I think Aragorn and the King of the Dead are some of the most fun, even in their simplicity. I think King of the Dead is just the best hero and monster killer in the game. You know, they do uh, instant wounds. So that's always fun when you can one shot Mumakil or, you know, a big troll or something like that. And I think what I like about Aragorn, he's a little bit trickier. And this is where I think there's a bit of a learning curve. But I think what beginners need to learn is resource management, especially when it comes to might. That usually changes, you know, how good you're going to be at this game a lot of the times. And I think the nice thing about Aragorn is that you get one free might a turn, and that mitigates a little bit of the risk. Obviously, you're not going to play him perfectly, but just knowing that you can at least call one free action or boost a free roll every single turn without feeling like you're going to run out of resources by the end of the game and a lot of the times by the end of the game when your opponent has run out of resources you're the one dictating how the match goes so i like that
1: yeah i like what charles said about kind of the the limitations on the army and i feel like that's a huge positive for a new player like we talked earlier about eisengard right like Do I want to sit back and shoot? Do I want to march up and fight? Like, you don't have to think about that with this list, right? This is one where I've seen newer players podium at just kind of local day tournaments that we've run because the list, you know, I don't want to say it plays itself, that's oversimplifying, but you know what you have to do. You got to move up close. Uh, Aragorn's got that free point of might, so you can march kind of twice maybe, And you're in combat. There's also the type of list where even for experienced players, if you're not prepared for it, like if you don't have a shaman or some type of fearless bubble, like you're probably going to lose. So this is a an army that is very straightforward. But to Richard's point, like using Aragorn, I think, is what differentiates the beginner players and the more advanced players here. You know, I've played against newer players. And if I'm trying to win, you know, they have Aragorn in the front rank. They're marching up. I put all my shots in him, I've taken him out on turn one, I've taken him out on turn two, because I think he's only D5 in this list. He doesn't have the armor. So, you know, that's very different than somebody who knows what they're doing, puts him behind two or three defense eight warriors and, you know, uses him to heroic combat the king into, you know, a key hero or something like that. So I really like that about it. It's very straightforward in the way that you play it. I think you'll be competitive in any scenario because, to me, the, the weakness of the Soldiers of the Dead and the King is like no might and no mobility. And Aragorn fills all of those problems. So I think it's a very well-rounded list. And to your point, Richard, like you you can grow into it. If you play this five times, your fifth game is going to be so much better than your first game because you'll kind of start to understand where to position everyone. Make sure you don't lose Aragorn because that banner is crucial and let the Warriors kind of do the work. One thing I wanted to point out, too, before we go to Ian, is, like, if you guys notice, all the armies that we've recommended so far have really good base troops. And I think, like, whatever army you're looking at, that's really the key thing that you should focus on, is, like, pick an army that has a really good base troop that's a little bit defensive, a little bit forgiving. I know hunter orcs aren't, but, like, you're not going to go wrong if you do that, because you're going to have way more of them than you do heroes, like... No offense to any new players, but you're not going to use the heroes optimally when you're starting. So just having heroes as delivery mechanisms of really good troops is probably the best way to go to get started.
3: That's actually what I was going to say about the list. Like your basic troops being D8, that's very forgiving. And the fact that they wound against courage, like they're going to go down slowly and they're going to kill a lot of stuff. So for a beginner, that's that's a very nice thing to have. You know, it makes your games a lot easier
0: all right andrew let's have you share
1: your second pick all right my second pick is uh our first dwarf faction of the day i picked army of thror so i feel like you guys have talked a lot in your previous episodes about the hobbit armies that are usually kind of focused around one major hero this one totally fits that category right like the army bonus is just related to to thror and giving him a six inch banner having a, a six inch banner as a new player is amazing that's another thing when you're getting started is learning the value of banners and rerolls. Like this army forces you to do that because it's it's built in. So does Army of the Dead, but having that on, you know, your base troops is so crucial. It's also a list that doesn't have a ton of variability. So you've got your two main troops. I think most people will take Thrower and then a bunch of the the Grim Hammers with the plus one strength. That's a really awesome base troop. And you're just going to be kind of like a slower grindy kind of army which is you know i think a pretty good play style for newer players i think this list is personally like a little bit boring at times so it's not my favorite list in the game you've got like you know just a couple troops and you just got to kind of waddle up the board until you can start fighting but you know your leader and your main hero is defense nine he's got the arkenstone which i think the arkenstone is like one of the most fun rules in the game so he's not going down and i feel like You know, your other troops being high defense as well. And then you've got other heroes that are pretty fun to play in, um, you know, Thorin. And I think Thrain is the coolest hero in this list with a two-handed hammer and everything. So you've got a good mix of heroes and troops. I think, like, as a newer player, if you're playing against, like, Rohan, like, you are going to have an absolutely miserable time playing this army. So there's going to be some matchups that are tough. But I feel like for a new player to get the hang of, like, okay, I have a banner around my main heroes. My main heroes are super tanky. And, you know, when we get into combat, they're going to do some good damage because you have decent fight value and, you know, g- good strength and plus and plus one to wound on some of the heroes. So I think it's a really good fit for new players for those reasons.
2: Yeah, you make some really good points. And I actually think that out of the dwarf lists... You know, this one is probably the easiest to play as a beginner. And I know there's a lot of dwarf lovers out there, and a lot of people as well are drawn to kazadoom which has a much bigger list and more troop variety. So I think, you know, even though they're solid as well, I think they can be a little bit trickier to build a list. And also the lack of spears. So, you know, having like a battle line is a little bit more uh inconsistent there. And also a lot of people are recommended Iron Hills, which are definitely a very strong list. But I also think that because of how expensive they are and essentially only having one main named hero, they're a bit limited and there's certain scenarios are actually very, very hard to win as Iron Hills. Like you're going to win the brawly ones, but you know, and I think Army of Thor is very well rounded. You'll have good numbers and very, very tough troops.
0: Yeah, what Richard said, similar to our reasons for Minas Tirith and Army of Gothmog is very forgiving and still have fun while you make mistakes. Yeah, I agree with everything else that you guys said. Uh, great heroes and also just not a lot of rules to remember. Some armies, they have a lot of special rules to keep track of. And this list, not really, you know, you just gotta remember you have the six inch banner effect. Thorin has a once a game, ability and maybe the ring of durin and that's about it so it's really good when you just want to get into the game casually you don't have to worry about uh, remembering a whole bunch of rules
3: yeah i i really like the way this list builds i think for a
0: beginner because it,
3: it's it is pretty simple right you grab thor and warband of souped up Grimhammers, hammers and then your choice is do you grab thrain or thorin you know you have a few hitters you can grab and then a couple other support staff and then it's just more of the same two troop choices so building it is quite simple and like we said it is it it is a pretty simple army to play against but that way you get to learn a lot of the nuances of the game and of like the movement mechanics and stuff so you can compensate and 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 play
1: like to your advantage so yeah it's a good army i definitely agree on the like best dwarf starter army i i think that like Casa doom i think a lot of people fall into the I have to pick Doran or I have to pick Balin. I think the best list for that actually probably have neither, right? It's like King's Champion, Dwarf King, something like that. You can make the argument, but I feel like a new player, you're going to probably take Doran and max out Hearthguard, which is really cool and the troops are really good, but that's not really a great place to start, right? So I feel like here you can't really build the list poorly, right? You're going to take Thor just like Ian said and take the Grimhammers, which I think are a pretty good troop and you'll have spears. So you just have a really kind of solid, consistent line. And then for the folks who take Balin, I feel like, what's his name? Floy, is like a natural choice and he's really cool, but man, that's like one of the most difficult heroes in the game to use. So I feel like for a new player, it's just like either going to be overwhelming or you're just going to have a hard time kind of getting the value out of, you know, Dern and the Hearthguard or or Floy. And I also feel like Iron Hills for the reasons Richard mentioned, like, Even Dane, like I know I gave him a 10 on this podcast last time I was on. He's amazing, but he's not really the easiest to use either, right? I mean, like master battle positioning, you know, there's a lot of kind of tricks to that army that are a little bit more challenging. So I liked what you guys said about the limited special rules. I feel like however you were to build this army, as long as you start with Thror, you're going to have a solid list.
3: I think it is one of the only Dwarf factions where you can really spam out the troops. And when you have that many fight for defense seven models, it's like, it's really hard to get through
0: (laughs) yeah so those have been our picks for our favorite beginner armies before we end this episode we would like to shout out a few other armies that we think are also great for beginners so anyone have a runner-up in mind
2: easterling dragon emperor legendary legion but we're (laughs) sick of talking about it so let's move on
0: Check out our previous Dragon Infer episode. Very good army for beginners as well. Is that just because it's so good anyway that it doesn't matter if you're new?
2: Yeah. (laughs) If you're a beginner and you don't want to lose, then I recommend that list to you.
3: This is as of Jan 2023, just so we're clear. We don't know what
1: happens in the future. (laughs) Yeah, we got an (laughs) episode coming out next month, so we'll (laughs) see. (laughs) So I think... One
0: of Yin's picks being Rivendell. Also, a good one to bring to the table is uh, the Halls of Thranduil. I think in a similar way, you have a lot of the similar advantages for beginner. You have the basic elf troop that's pretty similar profile. You have some magic in the list as well that you can start out with. So I think Halls of Thranduil is also a great beginner list.
2: Yeah, and... Just to add to that, we were talking about having, like, quality troops. Well, you got plus one to wound built in, so that's something that you don't need to think too much about. You just get into combat, and, you know, they're, like, the most killy elf factions, so you're just going to take guys down.
0: Any other runner-ups? Honorable mentions?
1: I don't know if I have any to add. I think, like, for a reverse honorable mention, I would say, like, some trap armies for newer players. I feel like heavy magic is really tough because like we talked about earlier with Gandalf, the White, and Saruman, it's really hard to get like your points value back. And I think newer players are not going to know what spells to use and when. So I would say as you're getting started, I think Ian's recommendation of Rivendell is really solid because it's just support and buffing magic. But I wouldn't go for like a Sauron or any major caster. I think those are really tough. And then I know it's super popular, but I actually think Rohan is one of the most challenging armies for new players. Everyone loves Rohan. Everyone loves collecting it. And I think that's a starter army for a lot of people. It was my starter army. And I really struggled to, to you know, kind of utilize that force when I was getting started. You should always play, you know, the army that you like the best and what you connect with. But I would just say those are maybe some pitfalls. It's like all cavalry forces are pretty tough and magic forces are pretty tough when you're just getting started.
2: Hey, Andrew. You got to cool it on the spoilers. We got to do advanced armies at some point. (laughs) You'll have to have me back for that and I'll
1: contradict everything
2: I just said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so those have been our best armies for beginners. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Andrew. Thank you to all our viewers. Look forward to the next episode of Into the West podcast.